Hey there, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. So tonight I want to talk to you about the first principle, which you can always fall back on when in doubt. This first principle is be still and know that I am God. No matter what happens, turn within and be still. Know that your awareness of being is God and that all things are possible to you. Test yourself and you will prove this statement in the testing. Then you will be free from your former limitations of belief. No matter what is happening on the outside, turn to the first principle. Start by being still, then claiming, I am God. Ask yourself, is this true? You will never know the truth until you test it. That's from Neville's lecture, The First Principle. When I first began exploring Neville and his lectures and books, I thought of the first principle as a step, another step or the first step to take to get to what I wanted. Here's, I'm going to try to describe to you how it would go for me. All right, so I noticed something I want, a desire. Okay, now I got to find a quiet place to hide so I can do this. On my way to the bathroom or my bedroom, I'd start piecing together my scene. What kind of scene am I going to imagine? Who's going to be in it? Oh man, I hope the scene works. Maybe I should try a different scene. All of this just running through my head as I'm getting to my quiet place. <laughs> okay, I get to the bathroom or bedroom, lock the door, lights off, maybe put some mood music on. I'd get still on the bed or sit on the bathroom floor in the dark. Breathe in, breathe out. In, out. Okay. I am, I am, I am. <laughs> now onto the scene. It was such a frantic, forced thing for me. I was always in such a rush, trying to just hurry up. I never really took the time to really be still, to enjoy the stillness and the silence. While the first principle is a step, even though I don't like calling things steps, you know me and checklists and steps and <laughs> I just don't see it as a step anymore but it can be seen like that it's so much more than that for me it's the key to everything it's the key that unlocks my awareness of who I really am and who you are what Neville was telling me was this first principle is the most important thing it's the realization of who I am. I have all of these memories of my childhood, fun times, less than fun times, illnesses, deaths in the family, love, and on and on. I've experienced so many things in what I remember as my past, many different things, just like you have. But the one constant thing, the one immutable part of all of my experiences is my sense of awareness, the I of me. If I were somehow able to peel away every layer of who I think I am, my body, 
my name, my family ties, my memories. Everything that I've put together to make this character Mike, get rid of all of that. The thing that could not be taken away is awareness. Now that's actually possible. I can actually let all of those identity markers slip away in the first principle. I can be aware of things, but no longer identify myself as those things. Sure, I experience my body. I experience being hungry or full, but I'm no longer locked into this as my identity, that this body is who I am or these circumstances are who I am. Be still and know that I am God, that my I is God. <laughs> you know, I like to use the Strong's Concordance. If I'm going to use Bible verses, then I want to see what all the possible meanings are for particular words and phrases. The words be still can mean to sink down, to relax, to let drop, cease striving, to slacken, literally and figuratively. And there are several more, but at the core of all of these meanings is a breaking away or disconnection from something. In this case, I break away from my identification with my circumstances, feelings, good and bad, and mental and physical. Everything that I call Mike, I can slip loose of it by being still. That is the act of slipping loose of it. Instead of trying to force something or manipulate something on the outside or convince someone to do my bidding, I relax. Just relax. Quit trying to force it and do what Neville says, turn within. It's not difficult at all. We become so fastened to our state, to our circumstances, that we really believe we are circumstances. We are the state we're occupying. We think, you know, we were convinced at some point that we were born. And so now we have a fear of dying. If I were truly the man in the wheelchair, if that was really me, then I wouldn't be here now if I no longer needed the wheelchair. <laughs> if I believe I'm depressed, then I should cease to exist once I am no longer depressed. If I am depressed, if that is really what I am, then I will never not be depressed. If I'm flying high and feeling so happy and jubilant, I would disappear, poof, like smoke, if I woke up in a bad mood. <laughs> the I of me is none of those things. It is forever the stillness of the first principle. The first principle isn't something to become, nothing to work toward. It isn't even a process. It really is just realizing you are already it. 
that the true self, the I of you, is love, an impersonal love. And I mean impersonal as in not influenced by personalities, having no subject, me or them, just it. It just is. And we describe awareness. Well, even using the word awareness is the way we describe it, but we describe it from this point of experience as love, bliss, and power. The Bible refers to it as God. Others might call it a field of possibilities or the matrix or even express it in some beautiful mathematical equation. It really doesn't matter what you call it. Well, it might to some, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> None of us are getting this 100% accurate anyway. We can get closer and closer to it as we shake off little beliefs and secondary causes and realize that nothing can be experienced outside of us, outside, outside of self. Even the things in the physical world detected by our senses are still only experienced within us. Variations in light are transformed into images, vibrations are interpreted as sounds. The touch of a loved one is experienced within us. If you were able to get outside the other night and witness the great conjunction, or what some call the Christmas star, it might have seemed like it was half a billion miles away, but you still only experienced it within you. And there is no distance within you. You can't experience anything outside of you. No matter what you try to tell me, <laughs> you point to something and say, Mike, no, this is outside of me. How, do you, how are you experiencing that? How do you know what it looks like and sounds like and feels like? Even on the physical level, it's still an internal experience. If you walk down the street, your scenery changes, but your experience of your walk is still a constant first-person, present-tense experience. It's always now and always within. Years ago, back when I was a teenager, I remember working on my car and I was trying to replace the starter. The bolts on the starter were so tightly fastened, it, it was impossible to loosen them. Then my dad walked up and he said, oh, just get you a breaker bar. I didn't know what a breaker bar was, but he, he schooled me on it. It could be a pipe or another bar, but you, you fit it to the end of your wrench to give you more leverage. And you can break the bolt loose very easily with the breaker bar. It worked like a charm. Well, in all of this, I needed a breaker bar to loosen my tight grip on who and what I thought I was. I mentioned in a recent episode how getting still and repeating silently and feelingly, I am, I am, didn't really work for me. It always felt like I was trying to make something happen. You know, here, Neville says to do this. Other teachers say to do this. Well, let me do this. <laughs> like I said last time, I would say I am or think I am, and then I would want to finish the sentence. I'm what? <laughs> Let's get on with it. 
One thing that did work was stopping short of I am. It was just a simple little trick that I did that broke me loose. I thought or felt I, as if I'm about to say a whole sentence to complete a sentence. I, and I just stop. And for me, it was a wonderful experience. It felt like I stepped off a cliff, not with any fear of falling, but it was just me in a space of nothingness and not even in a space, in this indescribable nothingness, still aware of being, but in that moment, not aware of the aches and pains in my body or my financial situation or the state of the world or the health of my parents. I was no thing, yet containing all possible things. It's a beautiful moment. Another thing I did, another breaker bar, was questioning myself. When I was having a bad day or sad moment or having a physical pain, I would ask myself, am I really that? Or am I conscious of that? And not just for the unlovely things. I started doing it for the wonderful things too. Am I really ecstatic? Or am I aware of being ecstatic? Am I really feeling great physically? Or am I only aware of it? Now this type of questioning is not an original idea. If I could remember every time I've read it, and which author said it or which teacher said it, I would credit them all right here. So uh, this is not original for Mike, but what a wonderful thing to do, to question self. I used to use this just for the bad things. I'm not poor, I'm not that, I'm not poverty, I'm not in pain, I'm not illness, I'm not this or that unlovely thing. But it still was a battle. I'm not this, I'm not that. I was always fighting, fighting what I did not want. So I'm, I'm fighting something I don't want. I can't help but continue being that. And I stay locked into that state. Why would I fight something if I truly knew I wasn't really that? If I really knew that this was a dream or a play? The truth of it is that I was not ever poor, nor was I ever sick. But health and wealth are just as illusory as sickness and poverty. Sure, all of these things, our physical bodies and the laws of nature and money in our bank account and diagnoses from doctors are real on this level. In this state of experience, it's real. This is for what we call reality, but it's still a dream. So, I can't say, you know, I hear some teachers and some people post things on Facebook that poverty is an illusion and sickness is an illusion. Yeah, I totally agree. But if that state is an illusion, then so is wealth and health. It's all part of the drama, part of this play. But you're the producer and author, director. You're playing all the characters. This consciousness that we all are, this one consciousness, is playing all the parts. 
and you write the script and the world conforms to your script, to what you are imagining. So none of these states are ever me. Just conditions of consciousness, things to experience, but not me, not the I. When I realized that, it really, really lifted a burden off of me. When I realized that I knew I can just as easily assume I am fit, healthy, and wealthy as I had assumed I was out of shape, sick, and poor for many, many years. Because I never am really any of those things. Just experiences based off my choices, my decisions, my states of consciousness. Those questions I ask myself, I, I didn't... I didn't wait to get into a dark bathroom to do it like I used to, <laughs> go hide somewhere. I would ask myself those questions as soon as I noticed what I'm feeling wherever I was. Why am I feeling sad? Am I really that? Or am I just aware of that? Am I just experiencing that in consciousness? Instead of getting upset at myself and trying to fight or ignore those feelings like I used to. You know, in the beginning, I would notice I was feeling upset or worried, fearful, or stressed out about something. And then I would immediately get upset at that, get upset at myself for being upset. And then I would get into what I call a doom loop, just around and around. Get upset, get upset about being upset, revise that. Now I got to revise getting upset at being upset. <laughs> It was maddening. I drove myself crazy. Instead of getting at myself uh, upset at myself for all of that, trying to ignore them, those feelings of sadness or jealousy, I now welcome the feelings. I am love, right? That's who I am or how we describe the experience of who we are. But what does absolute, true, unconditional love do? It loves unconditionally. So I notice what I'm feeling, and I don't condemn myself for feeling that way. I continue being love. I love myself. I welcome all those feelings in, like I did with my kids when they were upset as children. I welcome them into my arms and just love on them. Love, love, love. I'd already been doing this in imagination with people, and I've talked about this before, and I've told people that have messaged me about how do I deal with a particular person that I'm just so frustrated with them, I'm angry at them. Now with me, it's usually someone I know, but sometimes it's someone I just know of. When I notice I'm feeling, imagining something less than lovely about a person, I bring them up in imagination. It doesn't matter if I've ever met them or if I ever will meet them physically. If I'm feeling something about them, if I'm aware of them, then <laughs> I'm aware of them. I've brought them into my consciousness. And if I'm feeling something unlovely about them, I've called that to myself. So if I don't address it, it's going to fester Remember, it's never anything outside. No one is doing anything, causing anything. You're bringing them to you. 
No one comes to me except the Father called them, Jesus said. And that's, I am. That's the Father, consciousness, God. So no one comes into your experience that you haven't called into being in consciousness. I imagine they're right in front of me and I put my forehead against theirs. For me, it's a very intimate thing. I do that with, with Kim, with, well, my kids wouldn't let me do it now. They would probably shove me off, but uh, to Penny, my sweet dog, I put my forehead against her forehead and look right in her eyes. Now, when I bring someone up in imagination and I'm doing this, I put us forehead to forehead and put my hands on either side of their head. And I just let the whole situation be saturated with love. Let love saturate the whole scene. And I don't rush it. Sometimes it's, yeah, it's not comfortable at first. It is awkward, even in imagination. But that's good. I'm noticing that awkwardness and the hesitation. Why would I want to? Doesn't matter. Let me just love them. Let me be love in this moment. I keep myself there, my forehead against theirs, my hands on their head, just loving them and loving myself and letting all accusations and bitterness just dissolve. I don't work at it. I let love do what love does. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. <laughs> That's not a, a part of my program. <laughs> I'm not going to write steps out for you. That's just the way I do it. And I, it works every time for me. Every time it works. So I allow my unlovely feelings to just be here. I don't try to counter them or ignore them. But by noticing them, being aware of those feelings and loving myself and those feelings unconditionally, they dissipate every time like vapor. Nothing, nothing can last in the light or consciousness of love. There isn't a second or third principle. <laughs> I used to think so. This isn't a thing to tick off on a checklist. It's profound and equally simple. You are listening to me right now. The being listening through the filters of your state, your identity markers, is the I of you, your awareness of being. That's you. So you're already aware. You're always aware on this level. You might be listening to me while doing housework or on your commute. You're aware of all kinds of things going on right now. You're aware of the state you're in. You just might still be thinking your circumstances and your history and your traditions or who you really are. For me, Questioning myself does the trick every time. So I'm not going to tell you you have to do that, but play with it. That's what I'll tell you to do. Enjoy this. You set this whole game up. Why aren't you having fun playing it? You are the source of all wisdom and power. You, yes, 
even you. <laughs> the Bible tells us so. It says, Jesus Christ is the power and wisdom of God, the power and wisdom of I am. And that power and wisdom is within you. That's not me saying it. If you think the Bible has any credi credibility at all, the Bible says it. Paul says it. Who, I mean, he wrote most of the books of the New Testament and Christianity, the Christian church, is built on his teachings. So I don't know why they don't talk about it very much in church when Paul says that the whole story of Abraham is an allegory. And if Abraham's an allegory, then all of his lineage is an allegory. Beautiful metaphors to express states of consciousness and the power and wisdom within us. So loosen up. Be bold. Go beyond what I say and what any teacher says. You aren't limited to feeling twisty or Neville or the Bible or the Vedas or any coach. You, you are limitless. Repeat that with me. I am limitless. Experiencing limited states. I am limitless, experiencing limited states, but you get to choose the state. It's no one else's choice. It's not up to anyone else, so why bother asking anyone else? Questioning myself about anything and everything does more for me than searching for answers in one of Neville's lectures or asking a coach or a teacher. My questions and the answers may be found in those places. But I always start with self. And I hope you do too. Someone sent me a message a week or so ago asking me some questions. And before I could get back to answer them, they messaged me back and said, never mind. I turned within and I figured it out. That was one of the most exciting things for me when I read that message. She got it. She remembered who she was and turned to the only power there is. She doesn't need me to tell her what I think. She figured it out. She found the answer. She found her savior within her. Always start with self. A good while ago, I was brushing my teeth one night before bed. And I decided I wanted to know more. I just wasn't satisfied with where I was consciously, you know, in all of what Neville teaches and what uh, I shared with my family and everything I was experiencing in my life. But I, I just had something nagging at me. There's more. There's more. And I want to experience it. So as I brushed my teeth, I just thought to myself, talking to my dimensionally greater self. Let's take off the blinders tonight. That's all I said. It was a decision. And I put it to self. And it worked. Oh man, did it work. <laughs> but the cool thing is, even cooler than that, is that I'm not done. Sure, those blinders came off. But as long as I'm in this body, on this earth, 
on this plane of experience, I'll still be taking other layers of blinders off, forever expanding in consciousness. That's why I'm here. If I was completely done, what's the fun of that? So as long as I'm here, I'm going to continue peeling back the layers, expanding more and more. Now remember, the things I told you about today, the things I do, are still only an exploded view. Like I mentioned in my last episode, you have instructions on how to assemble a cabinet. And you, you open the instructions out, the, the sheets of directions have this exploded view of the cabinet with all the little parts, the bolts and little nuts and dowels pulled apart and separated and labeled. You see each individual part, but that's not how you experience it. You experience the cabinet as one whole thing. It's all one cabinet. And so that's what I'm doing here, kind of exploding the view for you to show you the little bits and pieces, the parts, the way I do it. But it's always experienced as a whole thing. There is wholeness in who you are. There is no separation and there are no parts. But on this level, using language, we use terms that indicate duality and separateness, but that's only a way to explain it. So don't get hung up on steps or processes and thinking that anything I say has to be done exactly this. Come on now, you can do better. <laughs> you can do differently. Each one of us, if we all did the same thing, exactly the same, then what is the point of this imagined individuality, right? What's the point of, in, in, if, if it really was one way, then that would be very boring. There is not one way. Just like there's more than one way to make a gumbo, but you better not put tomatoes in it, please. No tomatoes. <laughs> any steps you take or steps and suggestions from any speaker or podcast host or teacher and guru are only little labeled parts of the whole. So use what works for you as you need it. But you'll get to the point where being in the first principle is who you are all the time. You will experience this wholeness that I'm talking about. You'll still be experiencing things here and enjoying them and enjoying the fulfillment of your desires. You don't ever end desire. You don't kill out desire. Again, that would be boring, right? But how much more fun is it to realize that every one of your desires can be fulfilled? You are setting the rules for your game. You wrote the script. <laughs> But now you're no longer identifying yourself as the character in the script. I really don't think anyone could ever forget who they are, awareness, once they get to the point of realizing it. Now, we might become so enamored with a state, but I really don't see a way to go back to complete amnesia, completely forgetting, once you've had this these moments, this ongoing expansion of awareness. Not once the breaker bar has done its work. 
be still and know I am God. Said another way, the first principle, first and foremost, you're not your state, you're not your circumstances. Relax your grip, turn within, and experience who you really are. I love you. This is Feeling Twisty.